the same. We still don't do well with technology. That's a running theme for us, so you would feel right at home on a Sunday morning. Uh, Things that are different, people come on time on Christmas Eve. We don't normally have that. So uh, if you ever visit and you come on time, you'll think that we canceled because there, there won't be anybody there. And people are a little bit more dressed up tonight also, just a little bit. We got um, people looking sharp in their ties. We don't normally see ties on Sunday morning. But again, if you're uh, visiting with us, we're particularly glad that you've chosen to spend your Christmas Eve here. If you took the risk and brought your family, we're glad that you took that risk and all that that entails uh, coming uh, tonight as well. So uh, any of you ever named anything, pet, business, kid? Name something? Yep. So normally when you name something, right, you take your time, uh, you're thoughtful, careful, maybe you run it by some people to see if it's how it sounds, you test it out. Uh, Some people don't do that. They seem to pick names. Um, I'm really not sure where they pick names. You can get lists of bad names anywhere. Here's some that I came across this week. Anna with the ellipsis. So, you know, you use those dots when you omit words. So I don't know if she's missing her middle name or sometimes you use them when you're trailing off. And so I'm not sure what the parents, if they had something beyond Anna that they wanted to say. But that's her name, Anna dot, 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 dot. You have the next one there. That's Forrest. You get it? Four S's and a T. Forrest, that's somebody's real name. That is Forrest. You have the brand loyalty. There's one mom, three kids, and that's what she named them. L'Oreal, Dakini, D-K-N-Y, and Jupe. I don't know what Jupe is, but apparently it's a brand of something. Like, that was inspired by Facebook. There's also some kid named Hashtag. That's real as well. Also, this is my favorite because I think it's from the South. Mazin, because mom felt Mazin when she had... That's what she said. That's what she told the nurse. I felt Mazin. And you can hear that with a Southern accent. It's dear to our hearts when the baby was being born. Olive Garden, so marriage requires compromise. What they did is dad wanted garden and mom wanted olive, and that's what they, that's what they did to their daughter. She's now the olive, she's olive Garden. 328 people in the U.S. have the name A, B, C, D, E. That's, just, that's lazy is all that is. And I'm not sure why they, like, why did they stop at E? I'm not... I don't know. And then the last one, this is second to me. Mason's number one for me. Durfla, because the parents wanted, they were thinking they were going to have a boy, and they were going to name their son after their uncle Alfred, and they had a girl, so they just went backwards. That's Durfla. That's tough as well. There's some research, it's kind of sketchy, that your name shapes your future in some way, some positive. If you have a name that's simple to pronounce and familiar, uh, you get into college easier, you're, you're, you're more hireable, you tend to move up in organizations more quickly than someone with a name that's more obscure, that's hard to pronounce. There's also some negative associations. I can't believe that these things are true, but it was on the internet, so you can stamp it. They say people, baseball players. You know, in baseball, a strikeout is symbolizes a K. So people with the last name that starts with K, 
strike out more often than people with the last name that starts with any of the other 25 letters. K is the highest. MBA students, people are getting their master's in business administration. If their last name begins with a C or a D, have a lower grade point average than students whose last name begins with A or B. Can you believe that? I don't believe it, but I saw it. Reputable news agency reported that. Your name shapes your future in some ways. And then there's this thing, this kind of subset of that research. It's called nominative determinism. Nominative determinism. That your name impacts your job. What job you're going to be drawn to. And so there's some, here's some ideas. So all of these people are meteorologists. Amy Freeze, Sarah Blizzard, and Storm Field. Here's the next. Lawyers. This is one of my favorites. Sue you. That, that is her name. They did a little write-up on her, and she's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm, I'm Korean, and I, I didn't even know what it meant. My parents, they didn't have a clue. Sue you. It's perfect. Jonathan Law, what's next? Oh, I, his last name is Correspondent. And, that, and that's what he is. This next one was my second favorite behind Sue Yu. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. How do you name your son Christian Guy? <laughs> this is my son, Christian Guy. I want to meet a Christian guy. I've got one right here. That just keeps giving. And he works for the Center for Social Justice. And then you have Usain Bolt, fastest man in the world, maybe the classic example. Uh, for, at Stonebridge, the past several weeks, we've been looking at names and titles associated with Jesus at his birth. We've looked at the name Jesus. An angel appears to Mary and Joseph, independent of one another, and says, Hey, this kid that you're going to have, name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And last week, we looked at the idea of Jesus as a king who is a shepherd, a, a, a ruler who will shepherd his people. And what does it mean for us to have a king who, who is a shepherd? And tonight, we're going to look at the name Emmanuel, just really briefly from the passage Maggie read, Emmanuel, which means God with us. What does it mean for us that Jesus will be called Emmanuel? He's named Jesus. He's called Emmanuel, just like you're named Bill and you're called husband and you're called brother and you're called father and you're called all of those. Jesus's name is Jesus, but he's called Emmanuel. What does that mean for us? There's a pastor in Chicago in the 20s and 30s and 40s, excuse me, in the 30s and 40s and 50s. His name was A.W. Tozier. You may have heard of him. You may have read some of his books. He famously said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Or to paraphrase, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Is that a true statement? What you think about when you think about God affects how you relate to God and how you relate to God affects and impacts how you live your life. So what you think about when you think about God determines, I would say, how you live your life. So I would say, yeah, it's the most important thing about you because it will determine how you live your life. So if you wouldn't mind, close your eyes for 15 seconds. When I say the word God, what comes into your mind? God. What came into your mind? Someone over here said, uh-oh. 
That may be what comes into some of your mind. Oh, no. God. I don't know him. Some people think theologically, these big words, omnipresent and omniscient and um, omnipotent. And some people think in terms of character, titles, roles, character, things like shepherd and rock and lamb and lion and alpha and omega. And, and uh, in his book, God Has a Name, John Mark Comer says, the most quoted biblical passage in the Bible. So the passage of the Bible quoted most often in the Bible is found in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It's God's self-disclosure to Moses when he says, this is who I am. Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, let me tell you who I am. I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. I'm forgiving of wickedness, but I don't hold the guilty unpunished. So when God thinks about God, that may be what he thinks about. He may think about Exodus 34, 6 and 7. I don't know what came to your mind. If it was a theological term or if it was something more personal or if it was a Bible verse, maybe nothing. I don't know what popped into your mind. But I want to ask you tonight, did you think about him as Emmanuel, as God with you? Did you think about him as a shepherd or a rock? Or a king who's with you? Did you think about him as one who's loving and gracious with you? Did you think him about him as omnipotent or great with you? That's the heart of Christmas. It's why we celebrate. It's why we do all of this stuff on the 24th and the 25th of December. It's the miracle of the incarnation of God stepping into humanity to be with us. Some of you are pet people. Anybody like pets? Any of you? None of you are pet people? There you go. Be honest. I'm not a pet person. We, we had children instead of pets. We had four. One of them who remained nameless, his, his mom was going to the hospital to deliver one of his siblings. And he was with his grandmother. And his grandmother said, hey, your, your mom is going to the hospital and she's coming back and you're going to have a little brother. And he said, I was kind of hoping for a tiger. That's, we're kid people, we, we, don't, we don't have pets. But I know people do. Any of y'all have those strollers that you put your dog, don't, uh, don't, don't raise your hand. But some, some people do that. Put their, they put their dog in a stroller. People love their pets. You think about how much you would have to love your dog or your cat or your gerbil to say, you know what, I'm going to lay aside the rights and privileges of being a person in order to become a poodle or a cat or a parrot, whatever your pet is. All of the rights and privileges that go with being a human, I'm going to set those things aside so I can be with my pet. That's how much I love it. Who does that? That's a crude analogy of what happened that first Christmas when God said, I'm going to lay aside the rights and privileges of being God and I'm going to become a person. And the gap between me and a golden retriever is smaller than the gap between God and me. Jesus took a bigger step than I would take. He laid aside the rights and privileges of being God. He laid aside all the omnis, being omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent. He laid aside those rights and he took on the limitations of a human body. 
because he wanted to be with us. You think about the depth of love required to take that step. And he did it gladly and willingly because he's Emmanuel. God with you and God with me. John's gospel doesn't have all the details of the Christmas story that we're used to. He doesn't talk about Joseph and Mary and shepherds and stars and Bethlehem. He doesn't talk about any of that. He takes this cosmic view and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. And then in verse 14 he says, And this Word became flesh. This Word became a person and made his living among us. It's the mystery, the the, the theological word is the incarnation. God taking on the limitations of humanity. Why? Because he wanted to be with us. Maggie earlier talked about this idea of forgiveness and this massive problem. And God sends a baby to deal with it. Did you know forgiveness is just the means to an end? God is a savior because he wants to be Emmanuel. He has to deal with the problem, which is our sin. That's what separates us from him. But that was always and only the means to an end. The end is God with us. That's what he wants. From the beginning of time when he created Adam and Eve, the goal was relationship. That's never changed. Sin enters the world and breaks fellowship with him. And so he sends his son to bring reconciliation about, to make reconciliation with us possible. The goal, the desire The heartbeat of God. Christmas in one word. Emmanuel. God with you. And it's not just God was with us. Past tense. 2,000 years ago. God continues to be with us today. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's a position of power and privilege He sends the Holy Spirit, who is God with us now. Jesus says to his disciples, probably the most striking statement he makes in three years of public ministry, it is for your good that I go. You're you're God. how, How can it be good for us for you to go? You're God among us. It doesn't get better than that. And he says to the 12 disciples, and he says, it's better for you that I go. Why? Because I'm going to send another one. And he's just like me in terms of character. And he's just like me in terms of desire. He's just like me in terms of Godness. And he doesn't have any of the limitations of a human body that I have. So he can be with you, and 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 he can be with you all at the same time. Regardless of where you are. He's not limited any longer. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And the Father and the Son send the Spirit to be Emmanuel, God, with us tonight. And so I ask you again. What do you think about when you think about God? Do you think about Him being with you? You can close your eyes. Katie Leverett's going to come and she's going to sing a song. And as she sings, I don't want you to sing with her. You'll know it. Oh, come, Emmanuel, don't sing, please. Just this may be your only three minutes of reflection time for the next 24 hours. As she's singing with your eyes closed, let her words be your prayer. Oh, come, 
Emmanuel. God has expressed his desire. He will be called God with us. He's demonstrated his desire. He's expressed his intent. Will you respond to him tonight? Where do you need God to be with you right now? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is available to you tonight. Where do you need him? As Katie sings, I would encourage you just scan through your life. Whatever that looks like for you. When you hit a bump, God, I need you to be with me here. I need you to be with me here. You don't need anybody else to pray for you. You have access to him. I'm going to say a brief prayer. Katie's going to sing, and I'll come back up and close us in a minute. God, we're so thankful that your desire is to be with us. Even forgiving us of our sins was for the sake of relationship. And we're so thankful for that. I pray for any here tonight who are distant, who are estranged. I pray as Katie sings, they would say in their, own, in their heart, come to me tonight, Emmanuel. Because they would recognize you've already made the first step towards them. You gave up the rights and privileges of being God in order to become a man. To live and die and to be raised to life. In order to make reconciliation possible. God, I pray for those who know you and are struggling in some area. I pray that as Katie sings, they would say, Oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, God, be with me in this area. And I pray the testimony of the men and the women, of the students, of the children in this room when they get up tomorrow, is I know him. What I think about when I think about God is him with me. In Jesus' name.